sounds like a like a footprints quote. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that is when success carried you. Yes, through the <laughs> beach. He walked along with me. Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of working towards making it in this crazy biz and how they're almost almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest is starred in Pet Friendly, This Isn't Funny, Them, and a series of Papa Murphy's commercials and more. It's the one and only Kelsey Roberts. Yay! <laughs> I don't know why, like, hearing the credits, my brain just goes, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> you know? I feel like that's a shift that just needs to happen for everyone, where you have to just kind of humbly own your credits like, yeah it's so hard to do like you hear and you just want to go well technically it was this and I didn't really do that much and you're just like no <laughs> you were you were there you worked yeah and to be proud of like booking something whatever it is just to be like proud of it funny I was gonna say my grandma only remembers like the very insignificant things that I booked you know mm -hmm. Like, she'll be like, didn't you book that one commercial that was like a general commercial, but wasn't the general? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're like, I'm glad you think I've booked more work than I have, Grandma. <laughs> I know, I know. How is your, like, I guess your, your parents and your grandparents about you choosing this profession? Has there been any, like, pushback? No, I like I laugh because I think my parents are overly supportive. They're like just so supportive of me and my brother Kyle. And I think like almost to a point where they like pushed us too hard to like do what we loved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Where they're constantly like, you got to do something that you love or life is going to just be terrible. And I'm like, well, I think it's, you know, there's ups and downs to anything. There's a balance here that maybe we're missing. Yeah, seriously. Has that just been your whole life? They've just been like, whatever oh. you want to do, you can do it. Yeah, just so supportive. Like my dad will say like, you got to just say, why not me? And just go for it. <laughs> Great, Dad. Yeah, so growing up, was it always like acting and performing comedy or did you have like, oh, I think I want to do this and it just slowly found its way to you? Yeah, I think there's, I don't know, I could be wrong, but it, I feel like there's always that transition of like, especially with comedians where you go like, what traumatic thing happened in your life that made you want to do comedy, you know? Right. But I think like my brother and I were super involved in like sports and athletics growing up and then my brother fell off a chairlift like 40 feet and it was a terrible injury. And um, so we like that one summer, we couldn't do anything like winter going into summer. We couldn't do much. And my mom was like, why don't we get involved in community theater? And so ever since then we were, I, we were both just like really involved in it and really liked it. And yeah. And I think like in high school, I was good at sports, but like my friends were either the super athletic friends or like the super hot friend friends. And I feel like I was the weird one that was like the president of Harry Potter club, right. <laughs> just wanted people to laugh at me. You're like, not, not athletic enough for athletic town. And you felt like you were not hot enough for hot town. Yes. Like you had to just be right in between. Yeah. And like, what a, what a weird, what a weird time. Yeah. So it sounds like you almost found or got involved in like theater and acting out of your mom's necessity to get you guys out of the house. Yeah. It sounds like it was my mom like, I'm not paying for a babysitter. I can't be home alone with you. I need you to get the fuck out of the house. 
I thought you guys would be out kicking a ball around doing yeah. some type of sports thing. I got to find another path. That summer in particular too, she used to like drop us off at Raging Waters, which was like a local water park by us. And she used to call it Raging Daycare because she would drop us off at like nine in the morning and then pick us up at like five o'clock. What a time to be alive. (laughs) You guys were, you know, not babies, but definitely probably young. Yeah, we were like middle school, like peak, like 11 to 13, like those years where you're just like so ugly and just so like. But that must have felt like the coolest time. You must have felt like, were there like, did other friends get dropped off? Like, was it like, just like, that was the hangout for your crew was in the summer. You're going to rage at raging waters. Yeah, it was like between uh, like three or four families. So it was honestly probably like six to 10 kids that would go at a time. And we would just eat like, um, you know, those like just French fries and dip and dots and just come back scorched. You must know that park like nobody's business. Yes. Yes. Did you guys have your like, do were there like makeout spots? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) And then there was (laughs) easy middle school kids and like, Bikini tops and like jean shorts. And- yeah, just like <laughs> rashes everywhere. Just like probably so stinky. But I remember in particular, there was like this one slide called Dropout. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, incredibly steep. And I remember like sitting in the like seating area where you can watch people eating Dippin' Dots. And this woman went the wrong way and she like fell out of the slide and then like the ambulance had to come. I don't know why I'm laughing about it, but it's also just like, I remember that was like a moment in that summer where we were all just kind of like, damn, life is crazy, right? Yeah, you were probably feeling life so hard and so emotional. You're sitting there probably like eating Dippin' Dots, watching, watching like a woman fall out of a slide and then looking at your friend being like, this really is the ice cream of the future. Like, yeah. yeah. And then we're like, now I'm just talking about it on a podcast. And this, it's like some woman's traumatic event that happened to her. Mm-hmm. And now she does comedy. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yes. And her name is Amy Schumer. <laughs> so you started doing community theater and kind of getting into that. Did you mm-hmm. like, I'm sure you did like the plays in high school and everything. Oh, like, yeah. What made you feel like moving more towards comedy than drama? I think I like both. I was definitely, well, I was definitely more drawn to like comedy. I just had like way more fun doing it. And like, I've always liked making people laugh. And so I was always just drawn to like the comedic roles and just finding like a way to make people laugh during plays or whatever. And it's so funny because like in high school, everyone's like, oh, you're so funny. You're going to make it. And then you like get out of high school and get out of college. And then you like come to LA or New York or Chicago. And then everyone had the same experience. And then you have one of those gotcha moments where you're like, everyone's funny. I'm kind of not important, you know? The cruelest joke of the whole business where you're like, I was the funniest kid in my town. Then you get out here and you're like, I think I'm still funny. Yeah, yeah. But like the funniest moments like in high school when like you put on a weird wig and everyone was like, they're crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's not really the high art of comedy that you've worked on since. It's it's literally like most common denominator, like this gets a laugh, but no, like no one's like, what a comedic genius. I know. like someone in the audience of Oklahoma in my, my high school years watching me playing Ado Handy like that's the girl that's the girl that's gonna make it 
some shadowy Hollywood figure in the back being like, keep your eye on that one. Yeah. That's a star. Yeah, it was just Ryan Murphy. <laughs> yeah, he was always going around to high school productions. Yeah, it just definitely the suburbs of LA going to just those high schools. I need to find the new talent. Yeah. You came out to LA, of course, in the pursuit of it. What's mm-hmm. been like, I guess, the path or what you feel like the stepping stones you've taken? Like, and why did you choose those? I majored in musical theater in college. And then, like, that's where I found, like, where I loved doing, like, improv. And and I remember after college, I was going to go to grad school, um, but I always, like, wanted to uh, try out, like, the Groundlings. And I remember, um, like, getting into the Groundlings and just being like, all right, I'm going to do Groundlings for a year. And then if it works out, that's great. And if it doesn't, I'll just, like reapply to grad school (laughs) and then I just stayed at the groundlings and it ended up being like a ton of ton of fun and so I think like moving to LA that was the best thing I could do was like getting involved in a place right away that's where I met like you and met all my friends it was just like such a built-in community yeah I feel like across the board that's been the bigger thing it's like the experience and like honing your craft is like definitely an important aspect but it's really these communities where you find your people Mm-hmm. You find the people that like, you know, hopefully you like them because they're the people you're going to like be working with probably for the rest of your life. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think about like some of the people I met in basic and they were definitely like, I'm still really good friends with them. And that was, I was like 22 or 23 years old. And for those listening, basic is the first level at the groundlings. It's not just like a class where like a bunch of basic people hang out. <laughs> yeah. What I, I would love it if that's what it was. You just find other like basic people. When I found out I got into the school, I like went and auditioned. I was so nervous, just so, so nervous. And then like when I found out I got into the school, I was at the Arclight watching a movie by myself just to like burn time for traffic. And I remember I got the email halfway through the movie and I was so excited that I just left the movie. So yeah, you started doing Groundlings and Improv and Comedy. Do you have points where you feel like you quote unquote made it or hit like... (laughs) personal milestones for you? Like, how do you kind of define those? I think there was like a few times where I was like, damn, like this is a blast. Like this is the coolest. And if this is it, then that's great. I think one would be like getting into Sunday because that was really fun. That was just felt like a blast. And then two, I think like getting my first agent, like that felt really, really cool just to like finally be like, whoa, I have an agent. Because I feel like you hear that and it just didn't feel that accessible. And I think the second was like signing with like a theatrical agent. Like that also felt really cool. A big moment I think was booking like Papa Murphy's, which was like a string of like spokes uh, person commercials that I did for them. That was really cool. And then booking uh, Pet Friendly was really cool too. That was a blast. Yeah. So in a way, I feel like you, you flag and you find a lot of like, you get a lot of gratitude from people signing off on you yeah like it's 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 a strange thing but it's so nice we're yeah. like it's we're in a job where like auditions truly are just job interviews it's yeah. just going on tons of job interviews and when you get hired when someone goes we'd like to see you at the office you're like oh yeah. that is such a nice feeling I've also never heard it explained that way and it's absolutely perfect where you're just like please sign off on me you know yeah and like there's there's like two different sides. There's the side where you have family and friends signing off on you. Of course. Which is nice. 
but a little bit like, I kind of expect that, you know, yeah, I'm you sad love me. Yeah. love me, you think I'm great, blah, blah, blah. It's when like strangers are like putting money behind you and signing <laughs> yes. off on you that you're like, now this I believe. Yeah. It's also too, like so many people are like, oh, when you go into an agent's office, just remember you're interviewing them too. And part of me is like, yeah, but like, I really want them to want me. So, <laughs> you know, the first agent I signed with was terrible. Like, but you just want an agent so bad. And the first agent I signed with was just like so terrible. And I remember like being in their backyard, which is a key indicator right there. (laughs) And they were like, okay, now sing for us. And I remember just like singing in their backyard. It didn't work out. Uh, Thankfully, I got dropped. Yes. I don't think people really understand that like that side of it is real. Like thankfully, like hopefully, you know, like there's people who've had way, way worse experiences with agents and managers. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that you had to go to someone's like house and entertain them, like the fact that it wasn't even like an office where you could be like, oh, this is where business is held. Yeah. Said you're just like (laughs) it was someone's backyard. And now that I'm remembering it, it was deep valley, like just Deep, deep, deep valley. And I remember my mom drove me. (laughs) We like stopped to get my nails done before the meeting. Like that was going to be the make or break thing. Like this agent was going to be like, well, her nails were nasty. So (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) And then I just remember them being like, all right, now could you sing for us? Which is so weird because I've, I went, it was not for like a musical theater office or anything like that. It was very bizarre. That just, that feels like this agent their spouse had some people over and it's like, wait, you didn't, you didn't book the entertainment. Oh crap. Here, here's a desperate actress. I'll get her to come. She can sing for us and do a quick monologue. Yeah. And I think I sang like a Dixie chick song and not like a standard 16 bars. Like I think I sang the full three minutes song. Oh my God. (laughs) You're screaming at them like Earl's gotta die. And they're just like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. They're like, let's take her. Like we were thinking something from like a musical, but sure, <laughs> yeah. like, like I got this three minute song memorized. Let's hit it. <laughs> this is gonna blow them away. Yeah. That is incredible. Have you given yourself a definition of success? Yeah, I think like I had this idea of like what success was for so long. And I think like throughout my career I've had to just like change that idea because it's also so much pressure. Like we should not be putting this much pressure on ourselves to like be like, oh, if I don't get an Oscar, then I then I'm not successful. Or if like I don't get on this show, I'm not successful. And I think like I've just had to like change that because I think that's just too much pressure. And it's also like not being very nice to ourselves. You know what I mean? Of course you can have goals and aspirations, but it's definitely had to like change. And I think my idea of success is to be just like working when I can and like being happy on that day when I am working and not like comparing myself to like what I could have booked or what I could book, but just to be like happy when I am working. It sounds like you put a lot on being present. Like it's mm-hmm. very important that like when you are working to, to be happy and grateful and excited that you're working and not being like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I booked this thing, but I was really going out for that or I wanted that part. Like it's just yeah. like- I think we but- do that so much. And I think it's like all about trying, like it's all validation and we're, you know, but it's okay to just be like, 
I'm successful because I'm working. I'm like booking. Like I think like that's that's like the mind frame that I, I want to have. Yeah. I believe I've seen like a quote or read something that was like, a lot of people are like, I'll be happy when I'm successful. And the people that are successful know that you're successful because you're happy. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a, like a footprints quote. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that is when success carried you. Yes. Through the beach. <laughs> he walked along with me. Yeah. It's all perspective. <laughs> it's all perspective. Yeah. It's like some days you're the lady falling out of the slide and other days you're the kid eating Dippin' Dots watching, you know? And some days you're the lifeguard that says go to the lady who is clearly not ready. (laughs) Do you have like aspirations of being rich and famous? Yeah, I think I would be completely lying if I was like, don't want it, don't need it. (laughs) I think like the idea of it sounds cool. I think the rich part of just being comfortable, like that part sounds dope, you know, Mm -hmm. like the famous part, you know, when you're like in high school and you're like, I want to be famous. And then you get to a certain point where you're just like, damn, that like sounds a little terrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like being famous where you could live your life, but not be like recognized at every moment would be cool. Right. Yeah. I feel like so much of it is you want those things with the level of control and Mm -hmm. autonomy. Like you want to be able to be like, Oh, I can live and like do things because I have the money to do those things. And I'm well known enough that I know I'll keep kind of working and get a little control over it. It's when it like tips to the level where you're like, Oh, you are so rich and you're so So famous. famous. Yeah. That you're like, I can't even a human being. Yeah. 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 That doesn't sound like appealing to me at all but if it's like a role like Hermione Granger hell yeah I'll take it make me so fucking famous <laughs> yes speaking of Harry Potter I remember like Emma Watson did like a, a read out on BuzzFeed where she was like I have nothing to share and I will let you guys know if I have something to share because I guess like there was this Twitter thing about like is she pregnant? Is she married? And I was like, damn, like we are so invested that this girl just has to say, I have nothing to share if I have something to share. Like, so I don't want any type of like that famous, but I would love to book a role like that. But then you open yourself up that you could become that famous, you know? If you had like dream choice, would it be, would it, first off, would it be TV versus film. My biggest dream would to be like be on a multicam show. Like I, I love multicam. I think that's like super fun. And I think I, it's because of like the live audience aspect that I, I am drawn to or whatever. It feels very much like theater. And so I think if it would be anything big, I would love to do something like a massive multicam show. I was obsessed with that show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so I think like Melissa Joan Hart when I was younger was like it for me because she did. Oh, yeah. Sabrina, Clarissa explains it all. Like I think that was like in my mind, I was like, that's it. And who could forget her later years with Melissa and Joey? Yeah, that's it too. That's when you make it. <laughs> like, yeah, when you get to work with Joey Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it feels like you definitely have a bent towards comedy with like a sci-fi <laughs> fantasy yes. twist. Like, you're yeah, like, that checks if, out. If I could be in a show with a talking cat and some yeah. magic, <laughs> yeah. 
great. And I'll say some jokes. Yeah, that sounds like the dream. Hit me yeah. up, Ryan Murphy. I know you saw me in Oklahoma when I was in high school. Don't lie. Don't <laughs> yeah. act like you haven't. Oh, my God. I was going to say, I just learned what the word chuggy meant. Have you heard of the phrase chuggy? I've heard the phrase. Yeah, is it just like basic? Kind of a new waste? Yeah. But is it specifically like basic towards millennials, millennials right? Yeah. Which is like making me realize we are now becoming the way that I think of baby boomers. Right. And I like, I feel like I've heard a little bit of like, oh, you know, Gen Zers are going hard on millennials on TikTok and stuff. And I kind of go, great. Yeah. That's what the next generation <laughs> does. Like, Millennials shouldn't be upset. Like, oh, how dare you? It's sort of like, it would be weird if you if did it. Like, we think the next older generation is the coolest. <laughs> I was like, I want them to be like, yeah, say phrases and terms I don't understand. Like, this is the process. I know. That's the cycle. It's the circle of life. Hearing their phrases and like chuggy, definitely towards millennials. I'm like, yeah, that checks out. Like, I am chuggy. <laughs> For sure. They got me. Yeah. I'm definitely a chuggier. Yeah, like my water bottle. It's like 7 a.m., good morning, 9 a.m., keep chugging. Like, I'm like, this is chuggy. This is a chuggy item to own. Yeah. And I embrace it. Yeah. How have you evolved your comedy over the years? Or do you feel like, what steps do you take or what's your process of like creating art and comedy. Yeah. Work. I think like for so long I had one mindset of what was funny and like what it was supposed to look like, what comedy was supposed to look like. And I think recently within the last few years, that's like definitely changed. Cause I think for so long I was trying to like fit into a formula recently, just like doing shows and meeting people in other like comedic spaces or schools or whatever has been such a game changer for me of like opening my eyes of there's such a broad world of comedy out there and I don't have to like limit myself just to one thing not saying that that was bad but like Mm. I I just goes to show that like I can open myself up to so many other things working with you in Sunday and other shows I was always impressed with how imaginative your sketches oh that's (laughs) Kelsey's a very uh creative imaginative person is that something like you just kind of like always felt you had that spark or like, where do you think that part of you comes from? Oh, for sure. Like the creativity and the imagination came from like my, my parents, but specifically my mother, she was like fueled our creativity growing up. Like we would like paint something or draw something and you're never, she told us you're never supposed to ask, what is it? because to the artist, they know what it is. And it's not to the audience to say, tell me what it is. So you're supposed to say, tell me about it instead of saying, what is it? So I think like just having that instilled into me growing up, I think it just made my brain wild. And sometimes like, I think there's the world and then there's my brain that's living in like a different dimension that's got like 40,000 different thoughts going all at once, which probably is really chaotic and something I should seek help for. But I think it works like creative wise. And yeah, I think like thinking of like Sunday company, like I feel like I got to do a lot of fun sketches, but I think like I was limiting myself trying to like fit into what, what could work, you know? 
there's some power to like the boundaries mm -hmm. of a sketch or things you're writing where you're like, okay, I can work within this box, but then there are definite moments when you're like, there's a lot of other things I want to be doing or creating, but it just doesn't work in this like medium or this format. Honestly, I'm going to boost your train a little bit. I don't know if that's a phrase, but like, I remember when you did, um, pe nice. people are shrinking that one. Mm -hmm. um, I like still quote that to this day. And then <laughs> I remember you're like, what sketch was it? The one where you like spoke to the audience where you like broke the fourth wall. Oh, butter. Butter, yeah. Probably, yeah. And I remember like seeing those in other people's sketches that I like still remember that made me feel like reassured that it's okay to like do something outside of the box or whatnot. And Sunday was a great time for yeah. everybody to just be like, please like do the do the thing we've never yeah. seen. Like do the crazy thing. Chances are they're not going to like it. But <laughs> I know, but, but it was such a blast. Like I had a blast, especially like my first six with you guys. It was such a blast. Well, now is the part of the show, Kelsey, where we bring out a uh, famed insult comic, Rascliffe, or so good. Excited. Oh man, he's uh, he's not as excited. He never likes to come out and see <laughs> oh anybody. Um, so folks, yeah, this is where we bring out Raz Clifford. So let's bring him Yay. out. Hey, Raz, come on out. Oh, hey, folks. Uh-oh, Cassie Roberts. Ooh. I hope I can still do this, even though I have a restraining order out on her. I guess it's over Zoom, so I guess it's probably okay. Just don't start stalking me again, you freaking weirdo. She's a psycho. I love it. I, I wanted I wanted to ask Kelsey's friends how they would describe her, but there was a big problem. She doesn't have any friends, folks. <laughs> so I guess I'll take a stab at it and oh how I wish I could stab Kelsey. <laughs> Anyways, how would I, Raz Clifford, describe Kelsey Roberts? Well, she is what happens when an idiot puppy takes a piss into a wishing well. That's where she comes out. I love it. I've seen Kelsey perform like three times in every single show. I demanded my money back, which is saying a lot because all the shows were free. <laughs> Boom, Kelsey, you just got splashed around in some razzing waters. <laughs> that was Bye. beautiful. Thank you, Raz. All right. Uh, he's already out the oh, door. I missed he him. Oh, I missed him. He, he's a, he's like, <laughs> I wonder if I'll ever get to do another full I show was with a just rest. talking about that, like how much I loved that show and like how I could tell everyone in the audience was just so excited just to get like shit talked on by a good yeah. friend. Yeah, it is. It is a thing where like, I'm like, I love doing it. And I was like, cause I pitched, this was a character I pitched uh, my first six in Sunday company. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing like, like unique about it. It's like a very stereotypical, like almost cat skills, old Friars Club roast comic. They've been done before. Yeah, it's like if you were new. to read it, like just read the character on a paper, you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I, I was like, I love this kind of comedy. I love like making fun of my friends. And I, I was, I forget who I was talking about it. Cause one of my, for like in Sunday, somebody was like, why do you think you're able to do that character? Because I think they realized like they could not like. But yeah, there's like, no way. I was like, honestly, I think it's because I present as zero threat in real life. 
<laughs> like it's like they're like who cares if this guy's making fun of me like there's like nothing so funny it's like if I, it's not like i'm like i'm like punching up and punching down all at the same time but nobody's looking at me being like oh like i don't i don't like this person making fun of me i think everyone's like this person is like <laughs> let them make fun of me i th- like i like to describe it as i think everyone i'm making fun of deep down knows that they're still a little better than me so they're like no. <laughs> Let this guy, let this guy tease us. He's, oh my God. He needs this. But also, like, you tease your friends in just, like, normal conversation. Yeah. Like, you know, I think, like, you, I remember, like, you, when you tease me all the time and I love it, but I also think, like, the difference is other people doing it in you is that you're also, like, a very loving and good friend, too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's not like a stranger comes up and says something horrible about you. <laughs> yes. I'll make fun and tease people, but I'm also like hyper aware of like the setting yeah. where we're at. Like I would never be like, oh, we're with a bunch of people who don't really know you. And now I'm going to like relentlessly <laughs> tease you. So these strangers are like, I guess that person is stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I like, I like to tease amongst the safe bubbles of friends. Like I'm someone so sitting like, home going, wow, you know what? I guess that person really is stupid. Yeah. Why would that person relentlessly make fun of their Maybe they really are stupid. Yeah, during these uh, times of quarantine, have there been any like projects or things you've been tackling or working on? Yeah, I found uh, like my old memory chest of like memories from like high school and middle school. And I found this book. uh, I think I may have told you this before, but I found this book that I had called the secret crush book. And I had to write down like my crush, like a picture. And like, it was like a rating system, which was very problematic and like where I met them. And I want to create a show called my secret crush book. Like ideally in my head, I want it to be an improv show where there's like a group of us I give the audience audience member the book. I pick a page. They like read it out loud. And then we like do a whole set based off of that information. Because some of it is like so wackadoodle. One of them is like deli meat guy. Where did you meet him? He works at Albertsons in the deli section. (laughs) Oh, so it gets like, it's not just like, oh, that's the person in class that I have a big crush on. It's literally like I saw someone on the street. Yeah. I walked past someone what a cute yeah like i was boy crazy and then it is like it's like over 45 pages of just that so i'm trying to figure out like how i can make it an improv show granted like theaters aren't open right now and i don't know like if it lives on like a zoom improv format or make it like a weird tiktok series where i like act out the scenarios oh i love that have you reading through it been like found your figured out your type oh has it been very like clear like oh this is my type like definitely not uh any like it's wide (laughs) it's definitely (laughs) wide I was boy crazy yeah you cast a wide net yeah I was like I'll take anything that swims in (laughs) (laughs) oh my god what a like what a gift you've unintentionally gave yourself as a kid oh yeah it's wild i just writing so earnestly about how wonderful these guys are and you go back and you're like what (laughs) i could tell to you that i was also like trying to be funny in the book that only i would read (laughs) you know what i mean like i was trying to like write jokes about the guys like in the book we would be like where did you meet 
at the school at the school locker, like spelled S K O O L, and be like, "We made out." Dot dot dot. And I was like, "We didn't make out. We ha- I have not kissed him." Just so like I knew, like, <laughs> like I hadn't done it. You fact checked yourself. Yeah, yeah. I I love stuff like that oh. where you can just look back and it's like it's a beautiful form of cringe where you're like, oh, it's insane. Oh, what a what a lovely lovely thing. And I tried to do some like research. I tried to see like who the publisher was of this book and there's nothing. Like I felt like I found this book probably at like a Borders RIP and I like bought it with my mom and I can't even like even looking up the title, like I can't find that book anywhere. So it feels like this weird thing that like divine (laughs) came to me. So I just need to do something with it because I've been trying to figure out what I want to do with it. You're going to find out that in like 30 or 40 years, they're going to discover time travel and you're going to go back yeah. and you're going to put the book on the shelf so the young Kelsey can find it. It's going to yeah. be cyclical. It'll be like... <laughs> that, is, that is hard to come by. It's something that doesn't exist on the internet anymore. I know. It's, it's really wild. It's, it's pretty crazy. And just like the cutout of the pictures of the boys that I have are like in there are really funny. It's, it was like a crush book scrapbook yes and it's obviously like pictures where it's like with a disposable camera where they're like at the like in the distance and so the pictures are blurry and it's like a weird side profile oh my god you're just lightly stalking these Mm -hmm. guys just taking bar photos getting them to be like i need these you know developed in an hour Mm -hmm. I was like thinking about too, I was trying to talk about it, maybe like reaching out to these guys through like Facebook or Instagram and like maybe interviewing them and being like, this is what I wrote about you. (laughs) Like, You're probably married with kids. And he's like, can we go back then? Would I have had a shot? (laughs) Just doing that. (laughs) Just, you know, be honest. Oh my God. Don't take into account where I'm at now, but if you can go back to that time, that age. Where did I fall? Maybe I'll do that. Just have people rate me right in front of them. Yeah. All right, Kelsey. So it's it's the future now. Mm-hmm. You've had all the successes. You're just the right amount of rich, just the right <laughs> amount of famous. You're a guest on a late night talk show. Do you have that story you've always wanted to tell from your life? Oh, man. Honestly, like, this is so bizarre, too. Like, so I was born when an earthquake was happening. My parents like talk about that all the time. And my mom always writes and like my mom wrote in my baby book, the earth shook when Kelsey was born, which is like a lot to live up to. Like, wow, you know? Um, but I think like I have a dream of mine, like where the first time my parents really saw me was like in this nurse's pockets. Cause like in emergencies, nurse have like, they have these huge pockets that they put like the newborn babies in. And I just found a TikTok of it. I can send it to you so you can see, but I've always wanted to find um, the other baby in the other pocket. Cause we have like the exact same story. So like pocket baby, <laughs> this is wild. So like, I feel like if I'm on a talk show, my dream would be able to like talk about that experience and be able to like finally meet that person and it would be like a big story or a movie that I would do so I feel like you would have to almost be like name the hospital name the day name around the time yeah and then people would have to flood in and be like I was your pocket neighbor (laughs) which is very insane it almost feels like a kind of a newer version of the movie twins yeah 
If it's me and Danny DeVito, I'm Danny DeVito. Someone else is Arnold Schwarzenegger. You already know the cast. Yeah, like I know I'm dead. I got Danny DeVito feelings. Yeah. I had no idea that that's what the big pocket. So you were kangaroo mm-hmm. for the first moment of your it's life. It's like Just- a when there's a massive emergency in like hospitals, when something like that happens, they like put these babies in these massive pockets for like safety reasons. Yeah. Like that, it happened on that day, September 29th. Earthquake baby. I also like so traumatic for my mother, like my God. (laughs) Yeah. And this was in California Mm -hmm. where they have plenty of earthquakes. Wow. Yeah. That is also a lot to live up to of like, (laughs) she makes the earth shake. It's like, no, just, you know, there was some tectonic plates that were rubbing together, and that's what happened. <laughs> it could have happened the day before, the day after. Let's <laughs> not read into it. Now I feel like the real key is when it, the sad day when you go. I there's got to be another earthquake. Yeah, I'll make an earthquake or some other like terrible natural disaster. Yeah, some other natural disaster has to happen because it's sort of like the earth opened up to, to give birth to Kelsey and now it takes her back. Yeah, you where know, they're like, this was a traumatic day. Like, yeah. yeah, I think this is true. I think Mark Twain's birth and death are Haley comments. Really? I think something wow. like that. I don't mm-hmm. fact check listeners mm-hmm. and you don't, don't have to check. Just start spreading it around <laughs> like it's someone's gonna look it up and be like that's they're not like, true that's I don't wrong. Know. Yeah. sounds good <laughs> yeah. and they're gonna be like it wasn't an earthquake it was a bad car accident <laughs> yeah actually i checked in the hospital she was in it was just a bad build and it shook a little bit <laughs> yeah. like, it no biggie earthquake. yeah nothing special world yeah. erase that comment in the baby book <laughs> yeah the nurses actually the big pockets aren't for babies they're for their lunches <laughs> Yeah, and I love like just it being described to me like you were put in a big pocket. You need to find your pocket friends. My pocket baby friends, yeah. That also sounds like a, a toy we would have grown up with. Yeah, pocket like, baby friend. But yeah, get your pocket baby friend. <laughs> yeah. in my pocket. And yeah. pocket baby friends come with their, their own pocket babies. Yeah, and they're all just really tiny choking hazards. Like Polly Pockets, That's yeah. <laughs> That's all those toys were. Yeah. It's just like, it was, it was like Darwinism. Like, can your kids survive not this. eating toys? Yeah, just filled with like lead too. Everything lead. Mm-hmm. Lead, lead all the time. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> And this is why we're chuggy. Yeah, we're the chugs. <laughs> well, Kelsey, thanks for, so much for hopping on. Thanks for chat. having me. This was fun. Love it. And thank you, listeners, for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous. <laughs>